Hey everybody, this is Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor. I'm doing a podcast from home for a change. I've uh, just decided to do kind of like a hangout podcast. Uh, kind of finished with lunch, sitting here with a uh, Coca-Cola, one with stevia and cane sugar, which is actually pretty good. And I'm working on an adventure. It's like a second part of an adventure for my Patreon Last month, let me get here, there's going to be a lot of me just kind of doing a process of an adventure and just some random thoughts. So like I said, it's just a hangout podcast, so it might be a little bit longer than the normal ones. But last month for my Patreon, I released a My First Adventure. That's sort of like the title of the series. And then it was called Rats in the Cellar, not to be confused by the rat album, but yeah. I got a lot of good uh, feedback from that. It was just a fun adventure to kind of play on the tropes of seems like, like every video game you play these days, there's uh, one of the first adventures you do is you have to go into the cellar and kill some rats for some lady. (laughs) So I, I I didn't change that. I, I liked it. I kind of played off of that and then added my own thing. So I'll kind of give you a summary of uh, what exactly happened. Give me one moment and I will bring it up so I can uh, remember. There we go. All right. So the way I, uh, just the format of it, guys, it's just a, it just basically, I did it like in a zine format, but it's just basically a cardstock folded over. And most of you, most of the folks who were, and my Patreon already received it. I sent it out. So what I did is I started it off with, let me close this up. Um, I kind of, I, I, I sort of misrepresented it in the beginning. I said, this is written for, for a solo adventure going through his or her first adventure. And what I meant by that was for like a one-on-one adventure, not just someone just to, you know, go through by themselves, which they, they could, but like in my mind, that's what I meant to say. And so I already screwed up my intent in the very first sentence. So yay me. Uh, so I say, have your character roll or have your player roll up a character. Um, let's see off the attribute rolls, then raw off the attribute rolls, then plunge and into this adventure. Equipment and starting money are earned, and the adventure skews more towards fighter types. So that's kind of the way I set it up. Uh, years ago, I, I did these uh, micro-adventures, except back then that's not what they were called. Uh, I did these series of adventures for one-on-one play for people who didn't know the game, and I called it Starter Adventures, and there was four starter adventures for each class. And this is almost what this is. This is sort of, I guess... Probably, like I said, skewed more towards fighter types, probably cleric, but somebody, probably something with a little bit of meat to them. But what I didn't change, what I changed in this one, instead of just rolling 3d6 and going buying your equipment, this is a kind of more, I think a more interesting way to earn your equipment. Just imagine you're, you know, you're standing there and you want to be an adventurer, but you're just sort of like this 14 year old kid trying to figure out what, if, what they want to do and if this is what they want to do begin with so so the character is brought before rex he's sort of like the contact man the guy who sets up the quest sets up the adventures and he's the one with the equipment who deals it out he knows what you want 
He knows you want to be a famous adventurer and your pockets are empty of coin. He has a proposal for you. So you want to be a hero. Well, you're going to need equipment. I have equipment. I'll spot you a weapon and leather armor and trade for a quick task. So what I did is I have a weapons rack table. And they can select eight, from eight different things. Two daggers, a mace, a short sword, staff, hand axe, short bow, asterisks above it. The short bow comes with ten arrows, spear, and a torch. This is kind of a tricky, I, I kind of, I don't know what you would call it. It's almost like the the torch, even though it seems like it would be the least effective weapon out of this batch, it actually becomes the most effective weapon out of this bunch. One of the things they put on this is the weapons are poor quality, so if a player or if attack roll results in a one, the weapon breaks, just to add a little bit of, like, oh shitness to the adventure just in case it happens. And if the character selects... A torch, it can be used as a club and it burns for six turns, illuminating 30 feet and causes the rats to flee. But that's for the GM, not the you know player has to find, find out. So Rex continues. My mother has pests in her cellar. It's infested with rats. She can't get to her pantry and stores. I'm sure it's a mess down there. Clean the rats out. Then I can get, or then I can send someone to rat-proof the place. He points down the dirt street to a modest-looking cabin with an older woman standing outside with a broom. Her name is Rose. What's up, babe? Reading. Yeah, I'm reading. So Ivy's just come in, creeping in. She's trying not to interrupt, but she does it more when she creeps in. <laughs> I want the headphones. You want the headphones? Yeah. Okay. There you Thanks. go. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So then, then they encounter Rose, and she wave, the Rose waves the at the character impatiently. Her broom handle is broken. It took you long enough. She pokes her broken broom toward a pair of cellar doors. The broken handle is sh shoved through the two handles, securing them shut. Rats, big ones, eating me out of house and home. Go get them. Shoo, shoo. So then she sends you into this. And then, then the adventure begins. And the player's... You know, of course, encounter. Actually, there's only kind of two things in this because I wanted to keep it simple enough for a solo, a single adventurer. But still, it's I mean, it can get bad pretty quick uh, because even if you pay play, because I wrote this for old school essentials, and I think a starting fighter starts off with a D8 hit points and if you're like most people you start folks out at maximum hit points so eight hit points and this giant rat the first one that they encounter does 1d3 plus disease and that's you know pretty nasty right there because there's one in four chance of it being deadly and uh, they can die in one to six days if they can't get uh, nailed from that so but if they have the torch the the rattle run away so if you have that then you don't really have to worry about even fighting the rat you can just chase them out so this could be a non-combat uh, adventure very easily with just having the torch but one of the interesting things that if they do end up killing the rat they see that the rat has a chain collar looped around its neck so i kind of threw that little detail in there that will kind of lead into something later and the sump pit is where they find another, the, the next bad thing. It's a uh, rat swarm. 
Now, rat swarms are just that, you know, just a bunch of tiny rats that just, that just overwhelm you with their numbers and everything. Now, if you're really, I mean, if you're really lucky and you pick the torch, then you can get away from that. But, I mean, if you let, if the, if the rats are able, this rat swarm is able to attack first, it can get real bad real fast. The, uh, because, uh, it does 1d6 damage plus disease. So it does exactly the same thing as a giant rat, except almost it can do double the damage and, uh, and still has that nasty disease uh, issue. So, but it only has one hit point too. And then I think the giant rat has two hit points. So pretty much any hit is going to take these things out. But I've been in many situations where I couldn't hit you know, water if I fell out of a fucking boat kind of deal. So you got the, so you've got the the giant rat, and then you get the rat swarms, and then you get an ambush. So there's so what's happening is, is there's this other part. Uh, it's a very simple four encounter dungeon, and in the third part, there's a kobold kind of waiting around to ambush, and he's got caltrops down uh, on the ground, and then he kind of waits till someone comes down the corridor does a surprise attack and then tries to leave and everything or tries to escape down, just get the hell out of there because they're in there for the ambush and stuff. So once that encounter happens, but now they're trying to, now you've got this kobold. What the hell is this kobold doing down here? I thought it was just rats. So it kind of complicates the situation. Well, if this kobold is able to escape, he runs south. There's a door to the south that he can escape into. But if the, if the players just explore it, they find this altar and this altar is uh, the, kind of the room is dedicated to Degregoria and she's divine mother and destroyer. And uh, she's kind of one of my, and I'm using air quotes here. One of my evil death God kind of, things that I throw in there. I love the name and, you know, kind of, it's kind of modeled after Kali, the uh, uh, Indian goddess. And that's uh, where she bursts babies and then eats them kind of deal type thing. But uh, so you, so now you have this weird altar down here. It's real crude, um, but there's a, there's another kobold here. And what he does is he just basically takes a pot shot at the at the adventurers if the adventurer is he comes through the door and then disappears through this trap door. Now, depending on how what happens at this time, this can go a couple different ways. The kobold escapes down the, the trap door and then locks the damn thing. The other thing that could happen is the players might get you might get like the initiative or something like that and just skull cap the the kobold and, and uh, then that way the, the trap door is open. But uh, the way I kind of wrote it up is if the kobold escapes, it locks the trap door from the its side. If it doesn't escape, the trap door remains open and the adventurer could continue uh, to part two. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, if the adventurer has killed the giant rat and the swarm of rats or chased them away with the torch, Rex can send in someone to repair all of the walls. He also rewards the adventurer with an adventurer's pack. And what I did there is I just basically have a backpack and it's got crowbar, grappling hook, 
iron spikes, mallet, rations, rope, tinderbox torches, and a water skin. And that kind of starts the adventure off in his career. And that's the way it's earned and not just kind of generically rolled up and bought in some generic store that, you know, that we do. I just thought it would be fun to kind of do it that way. And that way that equipment is actually means a little bit more to the, to the character, to the player and the character uh, because it was earned and not just kind of given to them by a simple role. Uh, all the artwork I had in there was done by Dean Spencer. Uh, he always does some, I'm part of his Patreon too. So his stuff is always great. It makes everything look good. But then, so, so now you, but I, I kind of left it on the, I don't know if you want to call it cliffhanger, but a tiny cliff, we'll say a ledge hanger. And uh, you've, you've got a few kind of mysteries going on, like what the kobolds being down there, what the hell about the digger, uh, Degregoria, I can't say that word today. Um, altar down there, what's that about? And then the trapdoor, where does that go? Where does that lead? So you've got those different options and everything to go from there. And Rex won't address the whole thing about uh, the 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 uh, altar, you know. And Rose is nowhere to be found when when they get out. Okay, so that sort of sums up. The, the first part of it. Now I'm doing the second second part of that adventure, and that's what I'm working on today. Now, what I started off with, guys, is let's see here. Uh, it's my first adventure right now. I've got a title, Kobold Invasion. That's probably going to change or something. But I got my, I got another introduction again with uh, Rex there. Um, Says your adventure cleared out those roads of unusual size. A little nod to the Princess Bride there. Some things were found, like an altar to a death god, but no one wants to talk about that. Trapped over to another level, there's more work to be done. Rex is not pleased to hear of kobolds. This won't, this won't do. Kobolds are worse than rats. He looks at the adventurer, then nods his head. You've proven yourself capable. I'll tell you what. I'll let you pick another weapon. I'll even throw in a shield this time. Clear out those kobolds, and then you can... When you get back, and when you get back, we'll talk real coin. And then I gave another short little weapons rack, but this time he gave completely different options, just for variety or whatever. So battle axe, two daggers again, uh, pole arms, sword, crossbow, and that one comes with ten bolts. Two javelins, a staff, and a war hammer. The weapons are of poor quality again, and if the attack roll results in one, the weapon breaks. So you still have that into play. Now Rex offers a bit of advice. Kobolds are sneaky bastards, traps, ambushes. They never look for a fair fight, watch above and below. And then he pulls a key out of his pocket. Here's the key to the trap door. Don't lose it. It's the only copy. <laughs> and again, all the artwork I've used so far, it's all going to be Dean Spencer. He's got, I've got, I don't know over a hundred art pieces by head to that. I uh, work into them. Then when I do my adventures, just as an aside, I do like trying to keep the artwork um, cohesive, either, either by the same kind of, but either by the same artist or the same kind of quality or feel of an artist. Cause I don't like, I don't know. I just don't like mixing them too much. Um, 
in adventures because I think it breaks the cohesiveness. It's just it's just one of my personal things when I when I put things out. All right, so returning to the seller, and this returns back to the uh, rat adventure I just spoke about. Seller is Rat Fury with a few struggles hanging out with a few stragglers hanging off the wall, but the exterminators can handle them. Navigating to the altar room is a simple matter. However, the referee is encouraged to use atmospheric touches. Oh, look, a table, and I made a, a short table, two D four. I mean, two D four tables. Do you see? I know Matt Jackson hates that because he hates D fours. Tough shit, Jackson. All right. Um, so just to, just to add a little bit, because what, because I'm thinking like, if you're a solo adventure going through this, the smallest things are going to maybe be more important to you when you hear it. So like a quiet thumping noise from below, uh, smell of acid, puff of smoke rises from the floor, clattering of bones, more damn rat squeaks. From above, flash of firelight, and the last one's distant barking. Just to add a little bit of flavor to to it, and try to get put the adventurer on edge a little bit. Now, this is where we get into like the entering the dungeon. Light in the second level is non-existent. Like in the first level, I, I don't know if I addressed that. I forget. But the way I pictured it, it was kind of a rude cellar. So there was some light coming in through some floorboards from above. So it was kind of like that streaky light, you know, where you have a gap in the floor, gap in the floor. So you got like these streaks of light every few inches, but still very difficult to, you know, um, I guess depth perception is messed up by that. And it just messes with you. You know, you see like, probably see fleeting shadows and it could be something from above too. So, so this one, but down in the second level, there's no, there's no light. So you're going to need to have some sort of, you know, light, like another torch or something like that. In this case, the characters would have that backpack, which would have torches in it if they need it, but maybe they have infravision. However, what the, what the kobolds do, the kobolds are very, very aware. They're not stupid little creatures. I mean, they're simple, but they're not stupid. And one of the things they do is they use what I call these pot, what do they call them now? What do I hear? Um, fire pots. So they'll, they're, you know, just little things filled with oil that if they know they see a dwarf coming down with like the infravision, they'll throw one of those fire pots in the hallway and it'll burst and it'll screw up their infravision while the kobolds won't look away so their eyes aren't messed up by it. And that way, then they can attack the dwarf while he's, his eyes are readjusting to the infravision again into the darkness. Now, there's no rules about that. It's kind of strange. And, uh, I mean, I guess it's one of those minutiae things that I guess you wouldn't want to get into too much in a rule book. But when a uh, – I don't know if they have that in there or not – but uh, as far as I remember, I'm going to look it up now, guys, so give me a moment. But as far as I remember, there, there's really no ruling on uh, infravision. And, like, if it gets ruined, how does it? How long does it take to get returned? Is, um, let's see. I'll check it out here. Because it says it gets ruined when when light is introduced, and 
what do you what do you do with that? You know, what how long does it take it? So if you have a burning oil or a torch into that, and then you take it away, how long does it take for the the vision to to come come back for a person or character? And that uh, just looking here. I don't know if I have it here or not. Thought they did, but finding it is actually simple, simpler to find it because of these things, but it still doesn't mean I'm looking in the right place or whatever. So let's see here. And then the, a blind character is unable to attack, which is interesting because I thought, you know, I know before I always thought, like, you know, if you were blind from not being able to see. Now, they're just saying blind. They're not saying magically blind. They're just saying you can't see. So I would – I don't like that they can't attack because it doesn't make any sense why they can't attack. I would do the whole thing where I think they would be minus four two attacks. Because if you think about it, if you're in a corridor that's five foot wide and you're getting attacked by in front of you, why couldn't you swing your sword out and – and uh, attack attack the person. It'd probably even be smart to do a thing where their AC goes down because they can't see when or where the attack is going to come from, though. Too, huh? Didn't think about that till now. So maybe I would just do like a a minus two minus two. So they would they would uh, their AC would go down by two, and their hit ability would go down by two. Yeah. I like that. That's why I do these podcasts because I like doing the thinking out loud and uh, sometimes just doing a talking these things out because you, you know, usually don't talk to myself. <laughs> sometimes I do, but not, talk, but not often. All right, let's see here. I don't see anything in here about it. All right, so probably what I would do if I if there's no rule in there. And like there may be one, but I just have to find it. That uh, if say say a kobold threw a fire pot out in front of a dwarf, okay, so I'd have maybe roll a one d six, and that's how many rounds after the fire pot is extinguished that his infravision would come back. So I just kind of make it do a random thing, but that would give the kobolds a bit of an advantage because. That's what they're going to do. They're like they're not going to come on with a straight fight. They're going to try to get every little advantage they can. Um, so when I, I kind of in my uh, entry for this dungeons, when the kobolds are encountered, use musical attack, missile attacks, uh, set traps, and flee tactics. They don't engage in melee unless that's their only ch choice. Um, if the kobolds are losing or failed their morale checks, they run downstairs. There's going to be a third level to this uh, adventure and um, that'll, and that'll be a different one. So we're not, so that's going down there, but okay. All right. So now what we have, now let me describe the map to you guys. This one is a little bit more, it's larger than the other one. This one has seven encounter areas noted. Um, there's actually, the first encounter area is just basically the ladder. The second encounter area is a collapsed corridor. The third encounter area is uh, a uh, very surprisingly well-done fresco of a human. And I'll kind of get into that one. 
And then the other four, five, six, and seven are all room encounters. So that's the way it's kind of set up. And then in room six, there are stairs going down, and that's how they escape and leave if they lose their morale roll. All right. So one of the th first things that – because I want to develop sort of a an adventure where the kobolds seem to be – you know, I want them intelligent and being able to, to do things that are just beyond the, you know, the frontal assault. Like I said, they, I want them to use traps and different things. So on um, – so what ends up happening is as soon as they come down the, 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 the ladder – let me see here. There we go. The rickety ladder. There's a chance of this ladder breaking, by the way, too, so they can take some damage from a fall. But then, then I also kind of foreshadow that there's a bunch of – handful of tiny arrows on the ground at the bottom of this ladder. And from the north, the sounds of a large rat are followed by quick barks and growls. Well, there above to the north, there's like a, uh, a six-foot-wide corridor. In my in my on my map, every square is three feet. I imagine it's it's a tiny cramped area, so that's why I do that. Uh, the kobold holds a giant rat on a chain. He releases a rat to attack the adventurer, and the kobold stays back to fire arrows until the rat is dead, and then flees into room five. So you've kind of got a trap right away. And it kind of answers the question of why the rat that was encountered in the first adventure had a chain collar looped around its neck. So you, they're almost like domesticated rats. So that's what these kobolds are doing. So you have a giant rat, and now you have a kobold firing at you. Both of them, you know, can, it can get pretty nasty because you want because you figure, let's say your your fighter has a maximum of eight hit points again, you know, and he's refreshed from his other adventure, so, so to speak. Uh, excuse me. The rat does one d three plus the disease again, and then you got a kobold who's back there firing. Um, bow like a bow and arrow, you know. A little tiny bow and arrow, and it does 1d6 minus 1 because he's so tiny and everything like that. So so it could take out a fighter pretty quick if there's some good rolls. And and what and the way I run my game, despite what Tankar says, I do think critical successes and misses should be introduced in game because otherwise the 20 is just another number, and I don't think that's fun. I know he says that there's – you know, it skews too much for the DM, but uh, that's the way it goes. All right, so um, so you have that right off the bat. So you get so I kind of figure there's an ambush for the kobolds right off the bat. Number two is the collapsed corridor. There's not really much to see around there. Um, you'd really have to. I kind of described it as a, kind of a loss. You'd really have to to dig out and, and re-fortify the area if you wanted to continue, you, if you wanted to see what was on the other side. And basically that's just how I, I built the, or drew the map. This I drew the map before I made this adventure. So it's just something I look at the map and say, okay, that's a collapsed corridor. So that's how that comes about. Because I can I can write around a map better than I can write around a, a or map around the writings, so to speak. 
Now, the odd fresco, the painted in bright colors, is a human male dressed in extravagant robes. He is bald except for tufts of gray hair over his ears. His eyes are closed, head tilted down. His left hand holds a dagger that drips with blood. The work looks fairly recent and with some technique. And it's just kind of like this odd detail that goes into this. Now, I don't know if that's going to come into play or not yet. It, I, I kind of, if I enter that kind of detail, I always like to have it some sort of payoffs, even if it's a small one, either later on the adventure, possibly next adventure, like I did with the, the, the chain collar. And then this is where I'm getting into you guys where I have written too much. Now we're going into the first room encounter. Okay. And this is what I, right now, here's my, here's what I imagine this being. Okay. So there's, there's a rock that's hanging by a rope over the door and it's kind of obvious. And you just kind of look up like, you know, what is that going to do? doesn't even like, you know, the rock's not that big, you know, it's out in the open and, and there's a rope that's kind of tying it up. It looks fairly easy to to take take down, but what it is actually, it's that's not the trap. That's sort of like the, I want to say almost like the counterweight. The the kobolds are smart enough to make it look like the trap, but it's not. So if somebody cuts that stone down, there's there's a you know I don't call it a spirit trap, but just basically a pointy pole that comes out of the side of the wall and then slams into whoever's right there. So it's sort of like a, what do you want to call it? A, a distraction or, or a deception by the kobolds to make it look like that's the trap, but it's not really the trap, but it really is the trap. <laughs> now how to write that is two different things. You know, it's, I've been kind of going around with that a little bit, trying to figure out how to write that and, and uh, explain it without wanted to do too much extraneous detail because I only have so many pages to write these things. Um, this one is going to be, this one's going to be longer because it's got more. Um, here's a little fact when you're recording on the anchor website online, it can only record up to 30 minutes and then cut you off. Didn't know that. So I'm going to have to recap a little stuff here. It's going to be a long going to be a long episode guys all right so this one's going to be a little bit longer of an adventure because of the different encounter areas there's seven instead of four so this one's going to be have the format of a cardstock cover and then like a probably just a one sheet of paper inside stapled in for the adventure itself, but I'm going to put some stuff on the inside cover. I think of the cover, the inside of the cover. Um, I don't know what that's going to be yet. I'm going to look at to see what this looks like when I'm done and then go from there. All right. So back to room number four, where we have the rock slash pointy stick trap. Now that we get inside the room. So first of all, is the door locked? Is it not locked? In this one, I am going to say that it is locked, but not, no, I'm not going to say it's locked. I'm going to say it's barricaded. All right. The reason why I don't want it locked is I want to, because more than likely, like I said, I've built this adventure more for fighter types. So they're not going to have a chance to pick the lock kind of deal type deal. 
So I want them to be able to, you know, use the skills that they have and brute strength will be one of them. So being able to at least push their way in would be a good thing. Now I don't know what's inside there. And this is where like the, the four, five, six, and seven don't know, don't know much what's going on there. And uh, I'm probably going to make this room uninhabited uh, unless I throw a couple of rats in there or something like that. But what I'm going to do is I grab the old first edition Dungeons and Dragons guide. And there's these tables in the back from page 216 to 219 that are basically just lists, these nice little lists on... Um, uh, dungeon dressing, the original dungeon dressing tables from back, and that. I also have the the Raging Swan one with dungeon dressing, but uh, I'm going to use the actual original one. Let's see, let's see what's in there. So what I what I do is I have 12 different tables kind of sorted that I use on here. So I roll a d12. I'm going to put. So I'm going to use two things from this list just to see, just to help kind of spur the imagination a little bit to see what I'm going to populate with it. So I rolled a two. And so we end up on the furnishings and furnishing is an appointment general. Now we roll percentage dice and we'll see what's in there. We got a 52. Oh, a keg's in there. All right. So the door is barricaded, has a keg inside. That's cool. Let's see what the second item is. I'm rolling on the, the uh, D12 again, so we got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And we have some condiments and seasonings things there. That's interesting. So maybe this will be the cooking area. 84. So there's salt in here, too. All right. So maybe what I'm going to do, so room 4. Room 4. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to put a kind of like an old cobalt in there. We're going to see he's an old. Oh, you can hear Ivy's constructions in the background and everything. She's doing the wall in her kitchen today. She's still been working on that thing. We're going to put an old cobalt in there that's the cook. So... We'll put like we'll put a few like tiny tables in there for kobolds and maybe a few things, but nothing too extravagant. We're gonna it's gonna be kind of a rundown. Gonna have a fire pit maybe in there, and him maybe cooking up some rat stew or something along those lines. Uh, got a keg in there, got some salt, which is kind of nice. So that kind of lends itself to the idea of this. And the old kobold cook, I am going to make him a combatant. But, you know, he's not going to have, let me see what it, a normal kobold has. ACS 12, hit dice is half with two hit points. Maybe what I'll do with him is I'll give him an AC of eight and then just one hit point or something like that. So make him a little bit weaker. And that, um, I'm going to make him blind in one eye just for the fun of it. Like one of those milky glass eyes, uh, but still very ornery and he'll like throw cutlery <laughs> at people who come in. Um, and yeah, so yeah, we'll do that. 
I'll have him do that. You know, the other thing I might do is I'm going to have him have, like, let's say there's three rat cages in there. Two of them are, two have rats in them, like giant rats. Uh, two filled with rats. And maybe what I'll try to do to kind of help save himself is to release the rats, you know, break open the cages so they can attack. However, uh, the rats, there's a 50-50 chance that the rats might just turn on him. So, some, you know, sometimes your plans go to shit. So I uh, like that. Maybe release rats. I'm putting this down so I can remember it. Release rats. 50% chance of attacking. Yeah. Yeah, so that adds it fun, adds a little fun element to it and everything. So that's going to be room four there. So you got a ornery old cook with some flying cutlery and a few rats that may or may not help him. Now five is the, basically the central hub of this dungeon. It's the center room. Excuse me, guys. Yep, I'm yawning on my own podcast. Yes, thank you. I can't, I can't be the happy whisk. I'm the, I'm the sleepy spatula. You're the what? Sleepy spatula. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. I gotta go out and watch them. Okay, have fun. The tin cans didn't work. They didn't work. No, we're having a discussion. She had tin. What was the tin cans fit again for? Put the holes in, but it it's really sharp on whether I go from the bottom or whether I go from the it's splinters. Yeah, it just kind of makes this like sharp on the outside. We're on the outside of yeah. either way. Like if you drill in, it's still yeah, sharp on the outside too. Outside oh, okay, because we don't have any sandpaper for that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. All right, I'm gonna go out and watch Bug so she can get onto the trailer. Yay! All right. So number five. We so that, like I said, it's a central central room of this entire dungeon. So there's definitely going to be traffic going in and out of there. The thing I have to watch out for, and I have to keep in mind when I'm making this adventure, that it is for a solo person. Now I'm not much into balance, but I still don't want to, you know, have a horde of kobolds in there that's going to just like maul the maul this, especially for a first adventure kind of thing. I'm not going to want to do that. But in this one, we this is going to be where the kobold, this will be like the sleeping. Um, yeah, we'll make this the sleeping area of the kobolds. And this is where like if that one, in, the one that's shooting arrows in area one runs to, this is where it'll be going to alert the others. So I'm going to put, let's see. I'm going to put D4 plus one kobolds currently in there. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot of kobolds in an area for a single person. But I'm hoping that they'll be smart enough to, to do, you know, use some tactics and everything. Um, and the other thing I might do just to, to add a kind of element to it is I'm going to have uh, like kind of dried leaves and like uh, grass on the ground because that's where the kobolds are going to be sleeping. 
However, it will also help with, you know, if the people want to decide to throw a torch in there, it could definitely make things exciting and that. Uh, yeah, so we'll do that. Let's just, just for shits and giggles, let's roll on. I'm going to roll on the traps table in here just to kind of get something in my mind. It's a teleporter trap, but I don't want to use a teleporter trap for kobolds. I want to keep them very like, kind of mechanical. Uh, so an 18, a door falling, falling door. That's interesting. Huh. Falling door. I'm going to write that down. I don't know what I'm going to use that for yet, but I'm going to keep that there. I don't think I've ever encountered a trap where the door just fell on top of me. Oh, oh I kind of like it, though. I'll just have to kind of see how that works. And I'll keep that to the side. But let's see what else is in there. We're going to roll a d12. Let's see what we got there. Let's on table three, and table three is the religious articles and furnishings. And I ended up getting rolled on 38 on there. And there's an idol there. So there's going to be an idol in this room. I am going to, I don't know, an idol. I could make it an idol to dead Gregoria. And it kind of ties it up to the top there. Um, because in my, my, you know, how they're like in AD&D, there was that, I forgot how to pronounce its name. I think it was like Yungahungi or something like that. That was the kobold god or something like that. Uh, but I'm less, not really inclined to introduce that into here, but that way if it's Dedrigori, because they'll, they kind of take up the, the, because it's cool and it's nasty and maybe they think it's uh you know something or that will protect them okay yeah yeah, yeah. i like that so what we'll do is we'll have this dedrigoria that'll be the idol of it and i'll have to come up with some image i mean i've got some Im imagery in my head of it but I've, i don't know if i've ever really detailed it much i've always kind of just described her in philosophical terms and not in physical terms so now i'm gonna have to kind of think about it, but I'll, I'll probably just kind of go along and use the Kali reference. I think she had eight arms, a weapon in each arm, kind of blue skin looking, um, necklace of skulls, um, kind of deal. Maybe I'll, I'll just put, uh, I'll put Kali question mark next to it to kind of help me give me a reference for when I write this fully out. So that's going to be inside the room. So when the, when the adventurers come in, they're going to be dealing with uh, D4 plus one kobolds and then dried leaves and grass within there and then an idol of dead Gregoria. And what, what I'll do for this guy, some of what I do a lot of times with the treasure is I will kind of do a cumulative thing. I will uh, take everybody and I'll roll out the treasure, and then I kind of combine the treasure, and then I divvy it up between where I think it's appropriate in the adventure rooms, creatures, or, you know, just stash somewhere. And uh, that, I, that seems to work out pretty well for me. So, all right, so number five is done. Now we're going into number six here. So room six. Room six is with the stairs, and that's the one that leads down to the third level of this 
um, adventure. I don't know what's down there yet. We'll figure it out. All right, third level. And in it also has, and it has a thing that goes, a corridor goes to the north to the last room. Maybe I'll put the leader of the coal bulbs up there or something like that. All right. Now, room six is kind of a pretty spacious room and everything. But I'm instead of going with a kobold, I'm going to go with a different creature. I'm going to put something else in there, something that's a little bit more meteor. Uh, not meteor as in falling from space, but as in I got a lot of pork on my chop. All right, let's see. And I'm just going to, we've got uh, the Old School's Essentials book out. The Old School Essentials, I heard they're coming out with another uh, monster manual, which is, would be fun and everything like that. Um, the the the, uh, the one that they put out is very, uh, very basic monsters. I mean, it's got your standard monsters throughout, but I'm always kind of looking maybe for that little different one. And... I don't know why, but I felt I opened up the book and my eye went, went right to a merchant. And I'm like, huh, maybe there's a merchant in room six doing something, selling something, doing some sort of deal with a kobold. I mean, merchant doesn't necessarily have to be human either. Hmm. So I am going to put a merchant in there. Merchants, uh, let's see here. And I guess they'll have some guards. You know what? I kind of like that idea. So merchant, we'll give them two guards. Um, organized traders and travel between settlements and well-armed caravans. Da -da -da -da. They look like they're one hit dice, four hit points. And they have weapons, yeah, da, da, da. So, yeah, so kind of like a – they have a pretty good armor class, though, at 14, which surprises me because that means they're wearing chain mail. Minimum kind of deal. So maybe I'll change that up, kind of tweak him. I kind of see my merchant more as a fussy pants with uh, less armor and more glitz and stuff. Let's see here. Of course, maybe he is going down in the kobold territory, so maybe he's wearing armor. Maybe he's a hard-ass uh, merchant. I'm just kind of looking here, guys, to see. And then I'll make up a couple guards. They'll be like zero minute, like zero level minute arms. I think it'll work. All right, so in room six, we okay. Now all of a sudden, we got this strange merchant. Now he's not one of those ones that has like a, uh, you know, cart and pull and stuff. He's going to be one of those ones that kind of carry stuff around. I don't know what he's going to have though. Oh, they got caravan guards already statted underneath the merchant. Okay, that's cool. They call them first level fighters. All right, and I'm not going to make him immediately hostile. I'm gonna. He may be hesitant, but 
not hostile and maybe he figures he can sell something or come up with something with them. I don't know. It's a, just an interesting twist because I'm always looking to add that little bit of twist into an adventure. I mean, you're going through, you're, you're fighting rats, and then all of a sudden you find a kobold, which is not a, a huge transition at all. But considering that you were there for the rats originally, and then you, then you go down there and track down. Now you're seeing a merchant down there. It's like, what the hell's going on here? You know, I think that I think that's an interesting addition. So, so I'm going to put the merchant in there, and I will put possibly I'm going to put zero to I'm going to put zero to two, so it'll be a D three. So we'll D three your kobolds in there. Maybe they're buying or whatever. I'm not sure. But if they get caught in there or whatever, I would do a morale check and see if they either decide to attack or flee downstairs or possibly join whatever's up in number seven. All right. I like that. Okay, so that's number six. And like I said, number six has the stairs that go down to the third level. Number seven, because that's there's going to have to be access to the outside and levels in the third level because there's – not too many ways these guys are going to be able to get in and out of here without notice unless it was that way. And the, the next map I have does access down uh, outside, you know, the outside area. Now, our last encounter area is number seven, and I'm going to put the kobold leader up there, and he's just going to be um, – he's just going to have a little bit better stats, not much better stats. We're going to just tweak him up a little bit. Uh, instead of an AC of 12, we're going to give him a whopping AC of 13. And instead of two hit points, he's going to have, I'm going to give him four hit points. I'm going to make him a kobold stud. He's going to, he's going to be a stud, man. So, but I want to put, okay. So, but going into his room, let's see, let's, let's do another trap because kobolds are, are famous for traps. I'm not sure if this is appropriate for a falling door trap, but let me see. What do they have on here? I'm still using those tables in the back of the DMG. Um, let's see here. 67. Pit locked and floating. God, locked and floating. What does that mean? F oh, not floating. Flooding. Uh, okay. Ooh. Ooh, I kind of like that. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pit locked and flooded. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add – I'll have to add this to my map. But uh, all right. So if the, the – uh, okay. So what will happen is in 7 – if the leader of the kobolds, I got to find a find a fun name for the kobold leader, something goofy. And uh, if he knows that the players are coming, I'm going to put a pit in front of his door. But if but if he doesn't know they're coming, he won't unlock it. So right now it'll be in it, the pit's locked. But there's a lever. We'll just say a simple lever on the other side. That will, un that will open up the pit, and that way they can drop down 
I'm going to say we'll just do the 10 feet and we'll say there's five foot of water. So they'll take like or three foot of water or something like that. Cause I guess that would be almost enough to drown a cobalt. So, uh, three feet, 10 foot deep, three foot of water. So it's going to reduce the damage a little bit. Cause I don't want to want to give the guys a chance here. Deep of water. Uh, and so the damage would be, let's just do 1d3 damage. And all right. Now inside, let's let's do some furnishings for the inside of uh, this uh, cobalt boss. Let's see. One, two, nine, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, we got jewelry. Cool. So sometimes I just let this determine some of my loot too. Looks like I've got a 61, um, which is a metal. Ooh, nice. Metal. All right. All right. And then let's see what the second thing is. I wrote five, two. Three, four, five, and it's got some sort of magic unit furnishings. It's a ninety-seven. So there's a oh, there's a workbench, which makes sense. Maybe that's where they kind of figure out how to make that. I'm gonna put simple tools next to it, and this is how they figure out or where they kind of work up some of their traps. So traps. There. Okay, I like that. Okay, so go in there. And what I'll do is I'll furnish it with some basic luxuries, like maybe a, a cot um, and that. Uh, maybe put some food in there with some just shit kind of silver, not silverware, but just cutlery stuff. Nothing great, nothing valuable at all. However, this little guy somehow got this medallion at the figure of metal. Uh, figure out what that's going to be, um, what, the, what all that'll be for, and how much it's worth. I'm probably going to keep it. Now I use a silver system, guys, so I'll probably keep it around the 10 silver range. So it'll be a small metal. Actually, now what I think of it, I'm going to make that metal a. It's like a symbol of Dedragoria that he found. So they just sort of kind of hijacked this entire Dedragoria. Yeah, I like that silver. Put it, make it silver. I might change it depending on uh, on uh, what I want to do with it. But right now. I'm going to put it as a 10 silver piece, silver metal, you know, so probably like a, you know, around a quarter size medallion or something that he's wearing with the Dejagoria symbol on there. And so it's another thing I'd have to figure out because I don't know exactly what the symbol of Dejagoria is yet either. Um, there's a, there's a few ideas I have like where there's like, you know, a half skull, half face kind of thing, but I like to try to keep it very simple and basic, uh, kind of almost like an icon kind of simplicity for the God symbols. So, yeah, so that sounds like it guys. So yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a, we, we found a cook 
with Thor's cutlery and has giant rats that might eat him as much as him. Number five, we have where they're sleeping at, and there's be kobolds in there, and they've got an idol of Dedrigoria there. Uh, and six, that's where the merchants at, right at the top of the stairs, and go down into number six or uh, level three. And number seven is where the leader's at. That has the workbench where they make some of their traps, figure out their traps, and he wears a metal symbol of uh, Dedrigoria on there. So, yeah, I think I've got my adventure worked out. I think that just I have to write it up into, into uh, words that you guys can understand and I can understand and fit in the space that I – what I have. Because the biggest thing is, is when I'm writing these adventures – since I switched from Swords and Wizardry Light to Old School Essentials, the Old School Essentials uh, monster blocks are probably 10 times as long, if not longer, depending on how many little special abilities or things that are connected with them are. Like the giant rat thing, usually a, um, a stat block in Swords and Wizardry Light is around two lines. Well, the giant rat is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So 13 lines. Um, the kobold is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 lines. So, you know, you go from 2 lines to 7 lines or 13 lines. It takes up a ton more space, and it makes it difficult to fit things in. But uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. So... I think that's it. Thanks for hanging out for the manor on a Sunday adventure writing afternoon. Uh, I thought we got some good stuff down here. Uh, a few of the things that I wanted. I'll tell you what I used today, guys. I used my first edition Dungeon Master's Guide that I've had since 1979. Uh, we used the tables back from pages 216 to 219. Um, I used the old school essentials, pretty much the, the monsters, the core rule books and the genre rules in there and some dice, some my Titan dice from Amazon, which were only like 20 bucks and they come in this cool box. So yeah. Uh, so that was pretty much the tools that I used to do this adventure for this afternoon. And now I'm going to get on my thing and start fleshing this out into, into hopefully a workable adventure and get it done before tonight. So so again, thank you everyone for hanging out with the manor on an adventure writing afternoon. It's it's been interesting. I hope you guys liked it. And uh, you'll come back again. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.